Today, we're actually going over a topic that a follower on Instagram suggested, and that is how husbands can be emotionally present for their wives. And this topic really stuck out to Elisha and I because it's something that we're constantly working on. I feel like we've gotten so much better. We have so many stories of our first year or two of marriage where Elisha wasn't that emotionally present and for some good reasons, but this is something that we endeavor to get better at. And so today we're just going over some reasons why a husband might be emotionally not present or emotionally distant, some practical ways that Elisha's um, emotionally present for me, and hopefully those will be helpful, and just learning how to be emotionally present for your spouse. So we're going to be talking about this in regards to husbands specifically, because stereotypically, they're the ones who need to be more emotionally present, but really this can go both ways in a relationship. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you do, we would love it. If you guys would give us a rating or a review, we also love when you screenshot, screenshot, excuse me, the podcast and share it in your stories so other people can help, can find this podcast. And yeah, we're going to get going. Hey, I'm Elisha Voper. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited as you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. This is, I, Katie, this is so fun. This is fun. Why is this fun? Well, it's be, I feel like it's been a while since we've done an episode just with you and I. I guess last week we interviewed your father, which was great. Oh, yeah. That was a little stressful, though. It's it's always a little bit more stressful having someone else on the podcast and like just all the technical stuff. Yes, because it was like a, a, di- a long distance interview. Yeah, and like lining up a babysitter. You're wondering how the kids are doing. Like, You're this right. is awesome. It's late at night. We're in our closet on the ground. Yes. We know our microphones. And it's just like, it's so easy. Yeah. We're just... We're very at home, liter- literally. Yeah, very literally and figuratively. Yep, that's how I feel too. Uh, so today it's a, you know, it's funny cause when you initially brought this subject up to me, um, which I mean, we're, I think we're titling this, how, how can husbands be emotionally present for their wives? Uh-huh. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my initial response was like, dang, I don't know. I don't know how to do that for you. <laughs> uh, but then you've assured me over the last few weeks that I've grown in this area. And I think that, you know, it's crazy. The cr- it's crazy. The timing of this, because Katie and I, decided to do this topic about a week ago and so we've both been thinking about it but then just today I was talking with my father who's definitely the biggest influence and role model in my life Um, he's just an awesome Christian man awesome husband awesome father awesome businessman and he we were small talking about uh, an event that he was at earlier this week and he mentioned he saw somebody that I knew there 
um, a, a lady that I've known for many years, and, and he was and he was really disappointed. He said, "Oh, it's terrible. She's she's getting a divorce. Her and her husband are have separated, and they're filing for a divorce." And just because I know this lady and I know her family, I was just blown away. I mean, it's heartbreaking whenever you hear that news. But this was once again, you know, a Christian lady. They had children, some young children, and I just got so saddened when my dad said, "Yeah, you know, so and so's um, separated. They're getting a divorce." And and I just said, I said out loud to my dad, I said, "How do you how do you get there? How do you get to that point? Mm-hmm. You know, where you're you're, you're raising children." You're Christians. You've you've you're sharing this faith. You think that you've got this firm foundation, and you know from all appearances you do, and yet divorce? Are you you know like what? That sounds it's just so dramatic, and um and my dad just said very casually, and he just and he just said, well, it's years of emotionally removing yourself from each other as a you know as a spouse, and I just I was so sobered by that. Because here we had been planning and preparing to talk about being emotionally present for your spouse. And my dad just said in such a casual kind of passing way that not being emotionally present and removing yourself emotionally and being distant oftentimes just leads to to divorce. Yeah, well, you think of it, you when you become emotionally distant, in a way you stop caring. And so that's kind of a scary place to be because if your spouse is, you stop caring about like your spouse's emotions or what they would think if you made a certain action or, mm. you know, when it's coming to divorce, I just think you have to be pretty, like I could never do that mm. in the, the way I feel mm. towards Elisha right now. Right. You know, like, right. like it would hurt me too much. It would hurt him too much. It just would be awful. And I think in order to actually get to a place where it's worth it to pull that trigger, wow. you have to already have had a callus or a wall, you know, built up. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. Because I think that obviously we believe that marriage is beyond just how we feel about each other now. Oh yeah. Definitely. You know, that, that there's never a feeling or the lack of a feeling that warrants divorce based off of God's word. Um, just cause he speaks to that is a covenant. And, and so that said, when I, feeling still plays a role, feeling is what plays a role when people actually do, you know, end up getting a divorce. And when I think about some of these couples that are maybe five or 10 or 15 years ahead of us and yet find themselves separating, the sobering thought for me is that they probably felt how you and I feel about each other at some point. Yeah. Or close to it. You know what I mean? That's what's sobering. And I think, I think sometimes it's hard to understand that. Um, being emotionally present is a form of intimacy. And I think we use the word intimacy as kind of a more, I don't know, like, okay way to say sex sometimes. Yeah. But that emotional connection is ultimately like where you're intimate in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that intimacy, it's really hard to be physically intimate, mm-hmm. especially for a woman. Mm-hmm. And I heard that somewhere this week and I just thought, wow, I think that's honestly why I enjoy being with Elisha in a physical physical way so much. It's really because I think he does such a fantastic job of connecting with me on an emotional level. Hmm. And I find being with him physically a very emotionally um, stimulating time as well is physical. Well, I mean, that's 
if if I ever heard motivation to be emotionally <laughs> connected to your wife, that was it right there. There you go. But we're going to jump in with, I mean, Elisha prefaced this, we're already going, but I think that people don't really open up or a husband might not be emotionally present for a couple of reasons hmm. in at least my limited experience with my own husband. Um, but I think those two reasons are one, they don't trust you and they don't trust being able to be emotionally present for you or be emotionally um just be emotional with you. Yeah, kind of vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is they just might not know how. Hmm. And I think, especially early on in our marriage, Elisha didn't know how to be emotionally present for me. And we're getting better at both these things, at having our marriage be a place where, you know, we trust each other so much that it's such a safe place to be vulnerable. And also, I think Elisha's really learning me and um, knowing how to specifically be emotionally present for me. Yeah, and I think that when I, you know, try to analyze my mindset only a few years back in our first year of marriage, there was fear. You know, there was fear that kept me from opening up with you. And there was, I think that, like you said, there was some, there was an element of me not knowing how to. And then I think that there was just a straight up ignorance of me not seeing the significance of it as well. And because it does oftentimes take effort and work to open up and to be emotionally present and vulnerable with your spouse. And so you have to see it as being a valuable thing. You have to view it as being inherently value in some way. Otherwise, you're you're not going to bother. Yeah, you were telling me today how it takes work sometimes for you to open up or different reasons why you will not tell me things or not be emotionally present. Yeah, because I think that what we hear generally is that men have a harder time opening up emotionally than than women. And again, this isn't a, a, a hard and fast rule. It just seems like a generality. And I, oftentimes I think that come, from my perspective, there's multiple things that keep me from wanting to open up. And one of them is pride, just not wanting to humble myself and seem weak or seem vulnerable or seem fallen or seem like I'm capable of sinning, you know, against you. And it's just pride and arrogance. Another thing is ego. I mean, an, an ego and pride almost sound like the same thing because obviously they're probably closely related. Um, yeah, they're definitely different though. Yeah. They have different distinctions. Yeah. yeah, they're different. So maybe they're like double cousins. Yeah, there you go. Like not siblings, <laughs> but double cousins. There you so go. they're closely related. Um, but in, in the way that I see my ego coming out is when maybe I'm not trying to hide something because of shame or pride. Maybe it's not sin that I'm trying to hide, but it's maybe a burden or a hardship that mm-hmm. I'm facing or some anxiety that I'm experiencing. And I'll tell myself, oh, I don't, I don't want Katie to have to bear this. I'm just going to bear this as the man of the house and it'll be between me and God and I'll, and I'll sort it all out myself. And, and once again, that can seem heroic for like a moment, you know, would you say? Oh but, yeah. I think the, the thought process behind it is easy to think is a good idea. Like, it's easy to validate in your own Mm -hmm. mind. Like, yeah, this is a good idea. Yeah. But when you look at that goal of living as one, of pursuing oneness, then the question shouldn't be, should I share this with her? But when will I share this with her? Or if I'm going to share this with her, but when am I going to share this with her? Sometimes, if it's not immediately. Does that make sense? And so, Yeah, so it's it's not, am I going to share it? 
it is when am I going to share this? Yeah, exactly. That's really the question that that should that should arise because I do think that as a husband, I've grown in being more sensitive to when I do share some things that are on my heart. For instance, when I'm coming home from work, and this is definitely real time because I'm experiencing some work, I guess, anxiety or hardships in the moment, you know, right now, recently. And the last thing I want to do is come home after you've been having a, a, a challenging day with the children and just drop the balm of my depression on you, you know, and say that I'm overwhelmed and, and tired and frustrated with my work. I'd rather wait. So I want, I want to come home and give energy, you know, be a, somebody that's light and life-giving and help you with the children, maybe get them to bed and then have an opportunity where you and I really have space to kind of get into those things that I'm facing. Yeah, and we're talking about Elisha opening up emotionally because I think that's one way that I can speak for myself here, but I think a lot of other women see their husbands being emotionally present. We want our husbands to be emotionally present for us when we're feeling emotional, and Elisha and I are going to get into that, but we also want them to be emotionally present and that they bring us their emotions. They don't just stuff them down. We don't feel... um, isolated. I don't like to feel isolated from Elisha's life. I like to be actively involved and I want to know how I can support him. I don't want to, yeah, I just want to know what's going on in his life. And so that's where it comes down to trust for me. And these are some of the questions that I ask myself when I feel Elisha is being emotionally distant. And one of those is, how am I reacting when he shares his emotions? Hmm. Because I tend to be a reactor and especially, I mean, I'm getting better at this because it went so bad. You know, life's a good teacher, (laughs) like a few times in our first year of marriage. Yes. Early. I mean, like within our first week of marriage, (laughs) Yeah. like I feel like you gave me, you didn't give me very much incentive to (laughs) To open up, to open up. Yeah, (laughs) definitely not. No, because Elisha would say something about how he was feeling, what he was thinking, Um, who he was hanging out with, even like what he was doing. And I would just blow up. And so then he was like, well, I'm not going to talk to you again. And and, I mean, just to clarify, these weren't like devastatingly sinful things that I was doing. They weren't. I married a horrible man. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. It was things that, I mean, right. You're getting married for the first time. All of a sudden you're like, wait, what? You do that with your time? Or mm-hmm. you like this? Or you like that? Or, yeah. you know, it's little things. Yeah, it's a learning process. That are petty, sure. but I was learning about Elisha. And, um, okay, so I'm going to give you guys like one example. I did not like alcohol at all. I did not believe in drinking at all. Um, Elisha had seen it done in a responsible way. He had a different opinion on that. So we argued about this a lot in our engagement. And as a result, Elisha promised me that he wouldn't drink. And so he was hanging out with, or he wouldn't drink until I felt comfortable with it. Yeah. Until it would be like a mutual decision. Yes. But he was going to honor me that way. And so I remember he came home from hanging out with some friends and I knew that there was alcohol at the event. And so I was like, you know, stressed out. He came home from the friends and he smelled like a pipe. And I lost it. Like, I just freaked out. And Elisha was like, what on earth? Like, I didn't drink anything. I smoked a pipe and you have a problem with pipes? And, I mean, he hasn't smoked a pipe till this day. It was a pretty good reaction. Yeah, since then. (laughs) 
Yeah, again, and, and again. But again, I, like, I didn't even know he ever smoked a pipe in his life. Like, and that was something that, like, was a total no-go for me. And so, anyways, it was just little things like that that you learn along the way, I guess. Yeah. And I, I mean, just for the record, when Katie says, I drank or I've, I've, I, I sometimes enjoy drinking, it's like I grew up with... Like a glass of yeah, wine Yeah, my family at would always have, like, a glass of wine at dinner and... It was never in excess. Yes, I've never seen it in my family ever used in excess. And no, yeah, I've never used it in excess. I, I didn't mean he was like drinking. Yeah, and like, it sounds it like, like I mean partying. I wasn't like out with the guys drinking, you know, foolishly. He was, okay, here's or, where he was at. He was at a chess club yeah, where so. they sat around and they drank their little like you know whatever to make them feel important. And I had a problem with the chess club too, so <laughs> I just you know had lots of problems. And his poor friends totally knew that. Anyways, and I don't even like pipes that much, but some of these friends were like, "Hey, like we really want to, you know, we, that, we think it's great that you're honoring your wife and and not, you know, drinking wine or whatever at chess clubs. We brought you this pipe to smoke." I was like, "Oh, that's thoughtful. That's great." Okay, but you guys, to not... give them a little perspective, they call themselves the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Stop, Katie. So... <laughs> we don't need to get into this. So basically, yeah, this is a big backstory. I had a problem with the league in general. But um, yeah, so it it was like their little gentleman time to, you know, be important. This is I'm like so red right now. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) I can't believe you brought this up. I've never sweat so much during a podcast episode. Oh my out. goodness, we are getting. I just so wish I could like topic. explain myself. I wish I had like an hour to just explain the context of the bomb you just dropped. I don't think I think people get it. It's it's fun. It's fun to dress up. It's like an adult version of like playing house. Yeah, it was fun. We'd like wear suits, like nice version. suits. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think people get the the whole scene. It yeah. wasn't like a crazy party or something. Um. Anyways, so okay, we got like so off on a rabbit trail there talking about the the league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> i just like seeing elijah's face every time i say that <laughs> okay but how do you react when they share their emotions or when they share anything how are you reacting and i've gotten a lot better hmm. don't you think one thousand percent i mean you've gotten so much better it's not even funny because i know that there'll be some some times where i don't intentionally all but something will occur that I know does not sit well with you. And you're, and you I like can stiffen up a little bit. Yeah. I like see your body tense up a bit, but you really take a deep breath. You don't react in the moment with harsh language. You really come to me reasonably. I think words, I don't use language just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. Like you use reasonable <laughs> words and um, that blesses me so much. It really does. Well, and I definitely hope to get better and better and better at this. So I don't even like stiffen up any senses my disdain, you know, (laughs) I want to be able to just process and then approach him later and be like, hey, so you know, when this happened, you know, you hear about people doing that being so casual at the appropriate time, bringing something up that bothered them. And that's definitely my ideal, but I'm not there yet. So that's one question I ask. Um, I remember I was at a marriage retreat, marriage retreat, my parents do a newlywed retreat and I was helping out. I was not married. And my mom was there talking to a gal. And I just heard her say, you need to stop crying. And 
so you know I was like 17 or 18 and I was like oh, I'll just eavesdrop in on this conversation why is my mom encouraging this younger wife to stop crying but my mom was like your husband needs your support he does not need a weepy wife you need to hold back on your emotion and you just need to toughen up and face life with your husband he doesn't need this added burden in his life and I can't tell you I mean Elisha this might surprise you because he's seen me cry so many times but I have thought of that so many times don't cry like just don't cry right now if Elisha's sharing something it can be it's hard for him to share certain things and sometimes it's hard for me to not react or respond the way I want to react. But if we're asking our husbands to open up, we need to be willing to not follow the path of least resistance either and maybe hold back on an emotion that we want to just kind of fall into, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to think about, Katie, and that like that's, that blesses me that you've done that because I can, I can think of some scenarios where you, I'm sure you've really fought you know, I guess your desire to cry. And it's interesting because like in my case, it takes so much effort to open up mm-hmm. and you're just saying it likewise, if it takes so much effort to refrain from crying, it might be something that you have to do. Yeah. Like I just think we have to be willing as wives to put effort in as well mm-hmm. um, during these conversations. And then our husband might be more willing to share his opinions or share his thoughts or what he's going through because he's not dealing with this like sagging pile of emotional mess hmm. on the other side that he's trying to clean up well that is such a fear too especially when a husband want, wants or desires or feels compelled to open up regarding sin in his life mm-hmm. especially if it's sin direct you know that's like sexual sin you yeah. know of, of lust and pornography mm-hmm. that they need to open up to their spouse about the last they like it's just it's a daunting thing mm-hmm. in a man's head when they think oh, this is gonna tear them apart this is gonna destroy them if they know if they know that this was in my heart or this was in my mind yeah. or this is what I saw and and I think that you've been so gracious to me in that area where you've just received it and you've worked with me on it rather than reacting dramatically and in the moment that's not to say that I haven't cried mm-hmm. I oh, haven't of course. been it hurt in hurt. those yep. moments and let Elisha know I was hurt mm-hmm. but not to the full extent that I feel that way, Hmm. I guess. I'm not saying at all, like, don't cry with your husband or don't let him know what you're feeling. That's Hmm. not what I'm saying. Hmm. I'm just saying be thoughtful about how you're sharing your emotion so that it's not shutting him down. Hmm. And then another question that I ask myself, too, is uh, this is especially for me. Am I talking when they're trying to open up? Because sometimes Elisha needs a long runway to open up (laughs) (laughs) or he'll start a conversation. He'll start opening up and then I just dive right in and blow up the moment. I share my thoughts. I take it the direction I want to take and he just lets me take it the direction I want to take and never ends up sharing what he wanted to say or Hmm. what he thought I should know. And I mean, you're smiling. This does happen a lot. Well, it's twofold. One, like you said, I need a long runway and that's my problem. It takes me a long time. I've got way too many prefaces. I like really like to build the context, what I'm about to say. And sometimes you'll, while I'm building the context, you'll just take one of those little points I make. That's not the real point. 
and you'll go off on that point. Yes, he takes yes. like, oh, you know how blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, no, that's not what I think at all. And then we start talking about like this little thing. And that where, was just the preface. Yeah, yeah, he was just trying to frame what he wanted to share. <laughs> so something that honestly really helps me. And again, I did this tonight. I've done this. I did this last night. I think I do this a lot more often than, than Elisha thinks because I do dive in and talk over him too often. Um, but I count to 30 after he finishes his sentence. So if I think like a conversation's going somewhere and I want to dive in, but I also think there might be more behind what he's saying, I count to 30 in my head. And it's a really long time to count, but I am so surprised how often I will get to 25 or 26, 27. And then Elisha like starts back in again after this really <laughs> long pause. <laughs> where he's oh, like man. well i guess if she's not gonna say anything i'll keep going <laughs> <laughs> so like don't give them the opportunity to chicken out just be okay with really long pauses sometimes hmm. um but anyways yeah that's something that also helps me is don't jump in and talk over them when they're trying to open up yeah i think that you using that 30 second and now I'm on to it, obviously. Well, I don't know. Because I, I never, sneaky. I didn't, I never knew you did that. Uh, but a lot of times when there is that airspace, it almost does give me courage to be like, oh, she, like she's all ears. Like she's really listening to me right now. She wants to hear me out. I think I'm going to continue. And so I think it's, I think it's served a good purpose. <laughs> but I do need to do it more for sure. So now jumping into more like what if your husband doesn't know how to be emotionally present for you hmm. because I mean, would you say that you knew like how to be emotionally present for me? Some things in some ways. Yeah. In some ways I, I probably knew how and just chose not to because it seemed like too much work or it didn't seem worth the pain. Um, but I would probably deep down know what you desired and, and what would be best for you. Um, but then at the same time, I think you've had to tell me what you need too. And I think that that's something that you've blessed me with is not making me guess on what you need emotionally because that's just not, it's, it's just not very fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't give them the rules to play the game, which I'm guilty of for sure. I just don't give Elisha the rules to win. And then I'm like, why aren't, why, why are you losing? <laughs> why are you being a loser and losing this game? Yeah. You know? And so it's helpful to just tell our husbands and women are unique. We are individuals and something that might be emotionally comforting to me might not be emotionally comforting to another wife. Yeah, I can. It's funny. I'm thinking of one thing that it surprised me that this is what you wanted. It shouldn't have surprised me. And it was so simple, but you just told me one time, Hey, when I cry, can you hug me? Can you just hold me and hug me? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can yeah. do that every time you cry. I'll come hug you and hold you even if I don't know what to say or why you're crying or how long it's going to be. I can do that simple act. And then we that's like one of the rules. You know, it's like it's you gave me yeah. a tool. And I know. cannot tell you how much that blesses me. Like if we're having a conversation, Elisha's sitting across the room, like or in the kitchen, we're talking. And then mid-conversation, I just kind of start to cry and melt down. And I can't really communicate why I'm even crying sometimes. He stops what he's doing and comes over and gives me a hug. And I just get so much clarity in that moment. <laughs> and I feel so comforted. And he doesn't have to say anything. I'm just like, you know what? He's here for me. 
And I think sometimes husbands don't know why their wives take things so hard. I know um, someone reached out and was saying, how did your husband encourage you and comfort you through a miscarriage? Hmm. Because they were going through a miscarriage. And I think often miscarriages or grief of any kind can really separate a marriage because it's hard to know how your partner is feeling that grief. Yeah. Like, I know I had this when Elisha's grandpa, Leon, died. I didn't know how he was feeling the grief of his grandpa dying because I hadn't had a grandpa really close to me die. And so it was hard to know how to be emotionally there for him. Hmm. So that's one way when Elisha doesn't know, like, how I'm feeling and he doesn't know how to, like, be in my shoes, he can still comfort me. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I feel like you totally, that was, that was such a, I feel like I was cracking, you gave me the key to the code. You know what I mean? You helped me crack the code in a, in a small way. It's not like that heals all, but it is a comfort to you and it yes. blesses you in a small way. And sometimes it's all you need, which is crazy. Yeah. A lot of times, probably, mm-hmm. I think on the more day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember though that this, I did have an expectation for Elisha to just know that when he sees me cry, he should come give me a hug. And I think I might have told you guys this on the podcast before, but it was a couple months into our marriage. I was really, really upset um, from someone else. Someone else had hurt my feelings and I couldn't get over it. I was just like crying about it. And my whole extended family, we were hanging out at a campground and I was crying and crying and talking to Elisha about it. And he was just kind of looking at me like, you are from Mars. I think you'd probably seen like his sisters cry. And you didn't, like, hug your sisters when they cried. No. He just kind of was like, okay, like, let them do their thing. You know, I'm going to leave the room. So that's how he was treating me. Like, okay, I'll let her stop crying and then... Then we'll talk about it or something. Yeah, (laughs) Once she's reasonable. (laughs) Exactly. And so my dad came over and was like, hey, Katie, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I just, like, started crying. And, of course, my dad gave me a big bear hug because... That's how I grew up. My dad always hugged us when we cried every single time. Yeah. And Elisha came over and my dad was like, okay, hey, Katie, your husband's right there. Why don't you just go tell him what's going on? Yeah, I was so grateful that your dad didn't make that awkward because I remember when that happened and feeling so like threatened. I was like, wait a second, that's my wife and she's going to her father for comfort. You know, like I want to be the guy she comes to for comfort. And he he made that really easy on us for, you know, yeah, for you wanted, to come to me. He knew what was going on. I think it was like, okay, I need to, Katie's used to something. Elisha's not sure what she's used to. They need to like, you know, figure this out together. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, that's been really big for me. And I just had to flat out tell him it'd mean a lot for me if you hugged me when I cried. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I told Elisha is like, I need to hear about your life. I want to be involved in your life. And I think this comes down to like we were talking about before, just like not reacting when he tells me about his life. That's a way he's more open when I don't do that. Yeah, that's a fact. (laughs) That's a fact. And I just hope to get really, really good at this over the years because I really, really like being a part of Elisha's life. Hmm. I'm grateful that you like being a part of my life. You make my life. You are my life in a lot of ways. No, Christ is my life. Okay. I don't want to be sacrilegious here. But you make this life on earth so enjoyable, Katie, when you're a part of every little thing. And it blesses me when you choose to take interest in things that really don't interest you on the surface level. You know, they, they naturally don't interest you. But because maybe it's an interest of mine, you keep asking questions and you keep and you become a student 
of maybe a topic that y- you wouldn't otherwise care about. And that blesses me. Wow, I'm just over here smiling like a cheese ball. <laughs> Can't keep my mouth closed. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about something practical here, a practical thing that sometimes husbands don't get that can be really emotional for us women is like labor and delivery and pregnancy. And some guys are really involved with that whole thing. And Elisha, not so much, which you never guess now. It didn't interest me at at, at first. I had no, I had no desire to be heavily involved at the beginning. So we would go to our midwife appointments and we'd sit there. The midwife, you know, would talk about stuff, ask questions. And Elisha would sit in the chair and literally like his eyes like glass over. Yeah, I would this say, was with like, our firstborn. Yeah, I would say like his body was there and his spirit was gone. <laughs> like, I don't know where his brain was. Yeah, that I think that's very true. I would literally like glaze over and be like, I don't know what they're saying. And I just don't want to have to be held responsible for any of this information for knowing any of it so i'm gonna check out yeah check out's the right word but you guys like i think some guys check out maybe more subtly elisha it's just like i can't hide it you can like wave your hand in front of his face and he is gone so i knew though and like that would be fine for some women but i knew i wanted elisha really emotionally present Mm -hmm. i knew i wanted him to be my birth coach i wanted his emotional support this was one of the biggest things I was going to go through in my life and I needed him there for me emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so I told him probably a few times, I just kept telling you, you know, I really want you to be a part of this experience. I feel like you're distant when we go in with the midwife, when we're going in there, will you, you know, really try to focus and pay attention and know what's going on with my body. And, and he did. Eventually such a student. Yeah, and I think even that getting that book was really helpful for me and just committing to reading through that book in preparation of, of, of the labor and delivery. Yeah, and sometimes like with the book, I didn't just have Elisha like read a book by himself. We read it together. Yeah, I think you're right. That was really helpful. Because I think you would have like turned the pages in the book and not paid attention Yeah, I would have all. just kind of glazed over. Yeah, ex- glanced over it. <laughs> glazed over, glanced over. Just I was in a glazing stage of life, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, even when it came to like... They had you do like these partner labor practicing exercises in the book and being like, hey, could you do these? And um, it was like pretty corny at first, but now we do them before every baby. Yeah, because it worked so well (laughs) (laughs) that first time. We don't want to stop doing it. Yeah. And Elisha's very, he's incredible. Like the midwives who have delivered all three of our kids are like, oh my goodness, you guys are such a good team. And I just feel so emotionally supported by Elisha. Um, One way that he does that, just diving into like a few things that you do to emotionally support me, Mm -hmm. is just through physical touch. Hmm. And so just feeling him there, having him hold my hand, having him, you know, tell me I'm awesome. Those are things that like really support and encourage me because I literally pictured when we were going into these midwife appointments, I pictured labor like laboring in the room and Elisha being like behind the chair, passed out (laughs) (laughs) or like checking scores on ESPN or something. Just totally avoiding it. Like tell me when the baby's out. So anyways, I just think it's, yeah, really helpful to just communicate what would help you personally 
as a woman, be emotionally supported. Hmm. And that, that was like the worst sentence ever. But if you don't know the things that make you feel loved or make you feel connected or make you feel like your spouse is emotionally connected, then that is like the first sign of a red flag. Your husband's not going to figure them out if you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. So I think the first step is like get clear on what they are in your own head as a wife and then tell your husband. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, like you, you couldn't have said it any better because as we already stated a few minutes ago, it's, it doesn't feel, it, it feels like your hands are tied behind your back or something, or you're, you're not given the rule book and just thrown into a, an arena of a game you've never played before. And that's ultimately how marriage feels a lot of times. Yeah. Because you're living this dynamic, ever-changing life because we're both changing. We're both growing. Um, you know, since being married, you've been through three labors, you know, three pregnancies and labors, and your, homo- your hormones have done different things since we've become married. Mm-hmm. And it's dynamic. And so even in those moments, you being willing to say what you want from me or what you really desire from me, it, it's so empowering to me just being, okay, this is the thing she needs me to do. I can do it practically and I don't need to understand why I don't need to do it perfectly. I just need to head in this direction. Um, and sometimes I do it even kind of mechanically at first, you know, maybe oh, yeah. my heart's not in it. I'm not, I'm not emotionally feeling a part of it, but she told me to do something like hug her or hold her hand or say a certain phrase, you know, when she's giving labor or when she's hurting during, you know, in whatever stage of life mm-hmm. and I can say those words and I can hug her. And then the emotion oftentimes usually does follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say just in general, a physical touch that's non-sexual is something that makes me feel very emotionally connected to Elisha mm-hmm. when he, you know, just kisses me when he leaves for work, when he wakes up in the morning, when he holds, we hold hands when we drive. 100% yeah. of the time, like 99% of the time, yeah. unless we're handing snacks to the kids in the back. Right. Um, but I just think that physical touch is a way that makes me feel emotionally connected to him mm-hmm. and that he like cares on that level. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what are some other things that I told you? Can you remember them? I wrote them yeah, down Yeah, I mean, I think something you told me that you really value is me just staying in touch with you throughout the day. Oh, yeah, that's big for Via, me. like, text messages or maybe even a phone call here and there. Uh, because, you know, it's crazy. We don't let very many hours pass by ever without there being some level of communication. Oh, no. I think it's, like, maybe two hours. Yeah, max. Max during yeah. the day. And, I mean, this isn't for everybody. Again, we're saying what works for us, so it might, like, give you some ideas. Yep. Um, but, yeah, when Elisha texts me, like, I miss you, I love you, I'm thinking of you, or, like, hey, I'm out, you know, delivering flyers, or I just had a great conversation with so-and-so, it's a way that he's checking in, letting me know that he wants me to be a part of his life. Yeah. And that just makes me feel so, so happy hmm. that – Oh, he thought of me and he thought that I would want to know this. Yeah. And I'm sure vice versa. 100%. Text you. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to hear about you and what you're doing and I don't know how to ask like, hey, what are, what are you doing? Like what's keeping (laughs) you busy? And so I'll just be like, hey, how's it going? You know, and I want to know like what you're doing. I want to know how your day's been. Yeah. So definitely being in, you know, constant communication is big for me. And then also actively listening. Mm-hmm. So I think we can all be guilty of this. And that is tuning out something that our partner is saying that doesn't interest us hmm. or that we just don't get. And they're just talking about something and 
you're just kind of like, okay. Yeah, that's just kind of waiting for them to be done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I have a new topic in mind when you're finished. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. I'm ready to move on. Um, and I know I'm guilty of, of this, but I think when Elisha chooses to actively listen and participate and think about what's interest, what's interesting me. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What's interesting Yeah, what's me? currently interesting you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's just really big for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. To feel like he cares about this because he cares about me. Yeah. Even if he doesn't care about the actual thing I'm talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I know there are times when I, like, harp on YouTube stuff. And Elisha Elisha and I are both, like, super... We love YouTube. We love to talk about it. But I'm, like, a little bit more obsessed. And I know there's times when he just will engage with me on it, even if he doesn't, you know, really care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I even think of a, a Bible verse, which is kind of a good, probably, verse to conclude this whole episode with, and that's First Peter, I think it's First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, when it, and when Paul tells husband, or when Peter tells husbands to live with their wives according to knowledge, and in other versions say, live with your wife in understanding, and mm-hmm. to me, that just, I guess, encourages me to continually know my wife. If I'm going to live with her according to knowledge, that knowledge being, you know, knowing I've got to continually know Katie and what she's doing. I know she's changing, she's growing. And so therefore I've every day is a new opportunity to, to learn and to know and to understand this new Katie. You know, I mean, obviously you're not Aww, you're like so totally sweet. different, but you are changing. And so I get to learn and know you more every day. That's just so sweet. Selah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Think about it. Well, okay. Well, I, I think we can probably wrap this up. That was good, Katie. Oh my goodness! Thank you for listening, guys. And real quick, I'm I'm curious. So, Katie and I were just having a, a discussion in the car. It was kind of an argument when the oh, whole really? world, what? like Sela or Sela, comes up in the Bible. You know, like after a verse, and then it has the word Sela. Like that wasn't an argument. S e l a h. Are you supposed to read it? Like, if you're reading it out loud, are you supposed to read the word, or are you supposed to just pause? You know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think it would have been a punctuation mark if you were supposed to not say it. Like it would have been a little like squirrely cue or something. Yeah. I, I don't like saying the word if I'm reading the Bible out loud. I just like pausing because that's what the word's telling us to do. You guys, this is why I have to count to 30 seconds. He was going <laughs> to keep going. He was going to keep reading the Bible. <laughs> exactly. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. I hope this was an, an encouraging episode for you for you folks. And if anything, I hope that we can just encourage you to find value in being emotionally involved and emotionally present with your spouse because clearly katie and i do not have the formula for this we don't have the answers to how to perfectly do this but we do have a desire to do it and Mm -hmm. i and i really do think god intends for spouses to be emotionally connected and so however that looks for you and your spouse um i hope you have a desire to be emotionally connected to your spouse yeah our goal with this whole discussion is just just encourage discussion yeah. with you and your spouse yeah and not to expect just how you know we had expectations of each other not to expect like oh this is what's going to make my husband feel loved or emotionally connected or this is what's going to make my wife feel emotionally connected because right. that's what katie says you yeah. know 
have the discussion for yourself. Yes, absolutely. Right on, folks. Well, thank you for listening. And as always, we would love it if you're able to leave a rating or a review for this podcast. And uh, and please just get in touch with Katie and I if you're able to, whether that's via Instagram. Katie's on Instagram at Now That I'm a Mother. And then I'm on Instagram at Now That I'm a Father. Or you could follow us on our YouTube channels, the Now That We're a Family YouTube channel, or the Now That I'm a Mother YouTube channel. Um, or you could email us at now that we're a family at gmail.com or you could send up a smoke signal at puff 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 that we disregard that last one because neither katie or i know how to read smoke signals (laughs) so Uh, okay folks have a good day bye-bye